0: Hey guys, it's Meg. What's up? What's poppin'? Welcome to the season 4 finale! Every night we go to bed, close our eyes, and drift off to sleep. Some nights we remember our dreams. Other nights we don't remember anything. So what are dreams and why do we have them? And for this whole podcast episode, I picked up another book from Barnes & Noble, similar to the crystal one and the astrology one, but this one is called In Focus Dreams, Your Personal Guide by Angela Mogridge. And honestly, these In Focus books are so cool. They're only $10 and they have way more. So if you guys want future podcast episodes in season five, which, wow, I can't believe I'm about to say season five. But if you want some more podcasts based on a specific topic like this in season five, you should let me know because they have way more topics and I will gladly go buy more of these books because they're so interesting. They're so cool and they're so fast to read. what's up it's editing meg and i just want to put a disclaimer in again in this episode and say that i am in no way an expert on dreams i am not a scientist a psychologist a philosopher a spiritualist a mystic i'm not claiming to be any of that this is just what i learned from the book i also want to apologize for the noises you're going to hear in the podcast because i tried so so hard to edit them out but you can definitely hear my page turning at some points you can definitely hear my guinea pigs at one point and the last thing i want to quickly apologize before we get into this podcast is english was hard for me this day apparently and i definitely did not pronounce things right i definitely stumbled on some words so we're just gonna ignore that because i couldn't edit those out either But we're going to talk about dreams before we skirt-skirt too much. And this book starts off in the introduction and it gives some common questions about dreams. So I figured we'd start off with the same thing. Like, why do we dream? And this book says that it is one of the most challenging questions to answer because everybody has a different answer. From neuroscientists, psychologists, spirit guides, and mystics all have their own explanations on why we dream. The next question that this book asks is, what is a dream? And this says, and I quote, a dream can be described as a series of dramatized images and visions that occur in our minds during certain stages of sleep, specifically during the rapid eye movement stage of dreaming known as REM. The next question is, why can't I always remember my dreams? Scientists believe that you're more likely to remember your dream if you wake up during the REM dreaming stage. Next is, how long do dreams last? A dream can last for a few seconds or as long as 30 minutes. It is said that the average person has about three to five dreams per night, but some people even experience seven dreams in one night. Over a lifetime, a person can dream for up to six whole years. The next question is, are there different types of dreams? And there are, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. Some of the dreams they mentioned are fantastical dreams, logical, practical... Real life. Dreams that make us feel happy, sad, scared, unsettled. The next question are, what are nightmares? And this book said that nightmares are dreams that create feelings of fear or panic, often resulting in us waking suddenly, sometimes with a scream. Nightmares may be caused by stress, anxiety, or PTSD. The next question after that are what are lucid dreams? Lucid dreams can occur during the late stages of REM sleep when you are aware that you are asleep, but can to some extent control events that happen in your dream. The next question after that is do dreams have meanings? Which we're going to talk about this, but some people say yes, some people say no. It's kind of like open up for debate. The second to last question is do animals dream? And because all mammals experience REM while sleeping, all can dream. And the very last question are, do babies dream? The book said that since they can't tell what they've dreamed, it's hard for researchers to know. Studies suggest that children begin to dream similarly to adults between the ages of 3 and 7. Those are just some questions that the book started off with, which will get us into our topic of dreams. Because what are dreams? Why do we have them? And what are some of their meanings? So we're going to start off this podcast with the science behind dreams. We're going to start with the science approach, which I know crazy. We usually be like, I don't want a scientific explanation. But for this podcast, we're going to get the scientific explanation. And it all starts with the five stages of sleep for us. So for stage one, our muscle movement slows down and then our breathing and heart rate slows down, moving us into stage two. Stage one and stage two of our sleep cycle lasts about a total of 30 minutes. So our muscles and brain waves continue to slow down as we move further and further into a deep sleep. But... By stage five, our heart rate increases and our brain waves speed up. And behind our closed eyelids, our eyes flutter rapidly, which is known as rapid eye movement or REM. And this is all when we start to dream. There are five different brain waves, and each one has different effects. So, gamma waves. Are important for learning, memory, and information processing. Then it moves into beta waves. These are important for conscious thought and logical thinking. Alpha waves help us calm down and relax. Theta waves are connected to daydreaming and restorative sleep, emotions and deep feelings. And delta waves, these are the slowest of the five brain waves, are more active in children and babies. As we get older, we tend to produce fewer and fewer delta waves. These waves are associated with deep relaxation and restorative healing sleep. And yeah, that's just like a quick little recap on some brain waves. We don't want to get too scientific because honestly... I I don't personally want to get too scientific but this book does go deep into that. So science does not have a definite answer to why we dream but there are multiple theories and the first theory we're going to talk about is the threat simulation theory. This theory sees dreaming as an ancient biological defense mechanism within the brain that has enabled human beings to survive and revolve. Scientists argue that our brains repeatedly stimulate threats and dangers to our safety and survival when we are asleep. This repetition increases the neurocognitive abilities that enable us to perceive and avoid threats and dangers. The next theory is the Activation Synthesis Hypothesis, which was done by Harvard scientists Alan Hobson and Robert McCarley who published their activation synthesis hypothesis in 1977. This theory states that dreams don't actually mean anything, that they are just electrical brain impulses that pull random images, memories, and thoughts together while we are asleep. A dream is our brain's attempt to make sense of all this subconscious activity. This theory is saying that when we dream, it's a way that our brain takes the opportunity to clean up during sleep to organize and file away all the neural activity stimulated during the day. According to Hobson, there are five characteristics that most dreams share. Number one. Intense Emotions Sometimes dreams stir up intense emotions, and particularly anxiety, fear, and even surprise. These can interrupt our dream and sleep and wake us up abruptly. Number two, disorganization and illogical. Some of our dreams are simply crazy, have no beginning or ending, being inconsistent over time and place, and involving groups of people who don't know one another in the real world. Number three, the acceptance of strange dream content. While dreaming, we tend to accept what is happening and do not question the logic of the dream. Even on waking, while we may be confused and even curious for a little while, if we remember the dream, We are likely to move on quickly without further investigation of the dream. Number four, strange sensations. Dreamers often experience strange sensations from the ability to fly to the sense of falling off a cliff to the inability to move. And we often feel sensations within our dreams that we don't experience in our conscious life. And number five, the last characteristic that he says is difficult to remember. The memory of a dream decreases rapidly on waking up. As many as 95% of dreams are forgotten on awakening. The next theory we're going to talk about for science related is the information processing theory who George Miller developed in the 1950s. This is the idea compares the human brain with the computer and states that the information we give to the brain is then filtered into our short-term and long-term memories. Miller says that these memories are organized and filed in our brains while we are asleep. So this is what dreaming is, how our brain organizes our memories. This theory has also become known as self-organization theory as it ranks our memories according to importance or value. The next theory we're gonna talk about is reverse learning. In 1983, Francis Crick and Graham Mitchison proposed that the brain's memory system is easily overloaded. As a result, our brain fills up with cognitive debris, as they call it, multiple excess items of data that clog up the brain's system. To eliminate this, humans experience dream-rem-sleep. They believe that dreams have no meaning other than helping clear the brain of unnecessary memories. And they said that we dream to forget, a form of reverse learning whereby we unlearn the experiences that we do not need to remember. And the very last science theory we're going to talk about regarding dreams is the emotional regulation dream theory, which can we just skirt skirt for a quick second? why are all these theories got big names? Like, they're so long. Like, they're just so long and descriptive. But this theory claims that we dream to help us deal with our emotions in a safe space. When we dream, the two areas of the brain most closely associated with processing information and moving it from short-term to long-term memory are most active. So it is thought that we use our dream time to sort through our emotions and memories, retiring those that are not useful right now into our long-term memory. It is considered that dreams are a response to external stimuli. Sometimes these external noises result in our brains trying to interpret and understand the noise for example in the real world when we hear a dog barking or a baby crying then we sleep we also dream of that which can we just like talk about this real quick it basically seems that all these science dreams are like these are just ways of processing our memories but i just want to know like the people who dream about flying when in real life have they flew how is that a memory they have like i just if i ever saw a human being flying without being in some type of object i would be concerned but in addition to a science approach behind dreams, there's also the psychology of dreams. And the first one we're going to talk about is the psychodynamic approach, which is a theory associated with Sigmund Freud from 1856 to 1939 in his followers which i really hope i'm pronouncing all these people's names right because i just i didn't look that up ahead of time okay at least i read a book ahead of time we're getting somewhere with this podcast but this theory explains human behavior as based upon the interaction of conscious and unconscious drives and forces within an individual our behavior emotions and feelings are affected by unconscious motives and our past experiences the memories of which are stored in our unconscious minds sigmund Freud also has a famous book called the interpretation of dreams which he released in 1899 which he claims that dreams are symbolic eruptions from our deep unconsciousness he believed that our true desires are hidden in our unconsciousness and these are represented desires found with expressions in our dreams he said that there are two interpretations available for each dream that we have which are the manifest content which is the content that we remember on waking and the latent content, the real underlying meaning of the dream. He claims that every dream has a connection, however minor, with something that the dreamer has experienced. He considered that dreams are made of quote-unquote picture puzzles that through interpretation could form a quote-unquote poetic phase of the greatest beauty and significance. A random fun fact is he believed that the first dream of the night was likely to be the most distorted and perhaps less memorable, and that each dream that followed became more distinct and more apparent as the night went on. The next theory for psychology of dreams is the cognitive approach, which looks at the way we think and understand things. Calvin Hall, 1909 to 1985, collected more than 50,000 records of dreams over several years and from around the world. From his research, he said that dreams represent how we see ourselves, what we think of other people, and how we would view the world. He wrote a piece, The Meaning of Dreams, 1966, which he claimed that, quote unquote, the images of a dream are the concrete embodiments of the dreamer's thoughts. These images give visual expression to that which is invisible, namely conceptions. And he identified five cognitive structures and attitudes that dreams can reveal. And of course, we're gonna talk about them. Number one, conceptions of self. How we see ourselves, the roles we play in life. Number two, conceptions of others the people in our lives, and how we react to their needs. Number three, conceptions of the world, our environment, where we live, and how we live. Number four, conceptions of penalties, what is allowed, what is acceptable, and what is forbidden. And number five, conceptions of conflict, our inner discord, and how we struggle to resolve it. We have two more theories slash approaches for the psychology of dreams. The next one is the humanist approach. The humanist approach believe. That dreaming is about a person's deeper self. However, they also see dreams as having unique meaning to each individual, so we can't generalize the meaning of dreams. They say that in our conscious life, we are constantly trying to improve ourselves and reach our full potential. We're often trying to make sense of a confusing world and bring order to our lives. This then transfers to our dream world, where we are frequently at risk of facing a challenge and subconsciously trying to bring order, sense, and meaning to our dreams. And the very last psychology of dreams approach we're going to talk about is the behavioral approach, which does not rely on mental processes that cannot be observed. Behaviorists do not focus on the memories or desires represented by dreams, unlike other psychological schools of thought. Instead, a behaviorist views a dream as an individual response to environmental stimulation such as noise, vibrations, discomfort, or even the weather. Carl Jung, from 1875 to 1961, was a psychoanalyst and one collaborator of Sigmund Fried, was fascinated by dreams. He started believing that the mind, body, and feelings all work together and form what he called the psyche. He saw dreams as the psyche's attempt to at communicate something to the dreamer, and he placed a very high value on dreaming. He felt that dreams express things quite openly and even argued, and I quote, they do not deceive, they do not lie, they do not distort. They are invariably seeking to express something that the ego does not know or does not understand. So as you can see, psychologists all have different thoughts and theories behind dreams, and it is a little confusing, but we're about to get even more confusing because we're gonna talk about spirituality in dreams because even spirituality has their own interpretation of dreams. And it says here, this chapter starts with, Long before scientists began investigating dreams, various religions were exploring dreams in their own way. And the first one we're going to talk about is Islam. Islam explains that when we sleep, our souls partially or temporarily leave our bodies. The act of sleeping is a small death, where the body is present and the soul is elsewhere. They categorize their dreams into three types. Number one, a vision. A true dream that is from God. They said that true dreams are given either to those who are righteousness or to those who will benefit spiritually from a message delivered by a vision. Number two, a false dream from the devil. This is usually a nightmare sent by the devil and should not be shared with anyone. Followers were told that in the event of such a dream, they should seek refuge with God and dry spit three times to their left and three times to their right. And number three, A meaningless, standard dream for our subconscious thought. This is differentiated from the vision and from the false dream by the way it makes the recipient feel. A vision makes the dreamer feel a sense of inspiration from God, while a false dream creates a scared and anxious feeling. A meaningless dream on the other hand carries no significant feeling and will likely not be remembered. Then they also talk about déjà vu. Not the song by Olivia Rodrigo, but déjà vu. And they have, and I quote, have you ever had the impression that you have lived through the present situation before, been somewhere that you know, or you've never visited, or yet felt it was familiar? Have you ever experienced something before that gives you a strange feeling of familiarity? Islam has explored the subject of déjà vu in some detail. They said that it teaches that time is the creation of God, and so in God's view, the future has already happened. God is capable of transporting someone into the future and then bringing them back to the present. This person lives normally until that point in time when they experience the déjà vu, feeling of being in this place or time once again. We could totally do a whole podcast on deja vu. Should we do that? That's me skirt-skirting. Anyways, I don't want to skirt-skirt too much, so going back. In Christianity, one Christian view is that the purpose of dreams is to draw us closer to God because dreams show us how to avoid the things that come between us and God. It can also reveal what we need or where we should try to go in life. In Christianity, the first book of the New Testament recalls four dreams that Joseph received relating to the birth and early life of Jesus. Justin Martyr, one of the earliest Christian philosophers, believed that dreams were sent by spirits. And then, as Christianity developed over the centuries, many saw dreams in different lights. Thomas Aquinas, the medieval theologian, was not originally a believer in the importance of dreams. He argued that the only sources of human knowledge was experience of rational thought, not a message or vision in a dream. However, towards the end of his life, he was finishing his book, Summa Theologica, when he experienced a vision in a dream that he took to a direct divine communication. He then claims, I can do no more. Such things have been revealed to me that I I have written seemed like straw and now I wait the end of my life. In Hinduism, the dream state is known as Swampna. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's S-W-A-P-N-A. And it has four states of being, which I am not going to try to pronounce because i really don't want to insult anybody or make anybody upset so we're just going to do the english meaning of them but number one is waking number two is dreamless sleep number three is dream state and number four is transcendent states and according to hinduism there are seven different types of dreams number one is seen a dream that resembles or calls things that have been seen during our waking state number two is heard a dream in which we can hear sound number three is experienced dreams in which we are aware of our five senses number four inner desires and wants when we dream about something that we have desired or longed for in our waking state. Number five, imagination. When we dream in full of fantasy and imaginative symbols. Number six, manifested. A dream about something that has actually happened. And number seven, temperamental. A dream caused by an imbalance in the temperaments or emotions. In Judaism, dreams are significant and can be also an out-of-body experience relaying important messages to the receiver. It is said in Judaism that the realization of all genes follows the mouth. Thus, the importance of a dream depends on the individual interpretation of the dream. There is no such thing as positive or negative dreams because a dream is simply interpreted as positive or negative. They also claim that dreams are one-sixteenth prophetic. There is a difference between ordinary dreams and prophetic dreams. Ordinary dreams are open to interpretation by the dreamer and prophetic gives the dreamer insight into the future. It also said that a dream that is not interpreted is the same as an unopened letter. And the very last religion we're going to talk about is Buddhism. It is said that Queen Maya, the mother of Buddha, dreamed that a six-tusk elephant pierced her side with one of the tusks. This then produced an immaculate conception. The queen interpreted this dream to mean that the resulting child, Buddha, would become a monarch which domain across the world. According to Buddhists, there are three organic causes of dreams, wind, bile, and phlegm. In Buddhism, dreams are creations of the mind. Every single thought we have ever had is stored in our subconscious and when we dream, some of these thoughts become activated and are replayed in our dreams. Other dreams can be set up by internal or external influences. There is also prophetic dreams which are said to be brought to us by divas who are spirits of family and friends and others who have died who have been reborn but are invisible to us. They are keeping a watch over their loved ones and apparent prophetic dreams to warn them or prepare them for our coming incident. These dreams can warn us of danger or prepare us for good news. The messages are warnings that our divas give us and our dreams are symbolic and metaphoric rather than obvious. Buddhists also believe in karma or cause and effect. An example of karma would be if you do good, good will come to you, but if you do bad, you should expect a bad experience in return. There is also a form of dream important to Buddhists in which two individuals communicate telepathically with each other. Very occasionally when the mind is at rest or asleep, if both people concentrate hard, it is sometimes possible for them to communicate through a dream. However, it should be noted that Buddhists do not dream and that it is because they are only truly enlightened and have no anxieties, negative thoughts, cravings, or unfulfilled wishes that they might cause a dream to occur so now we're going to go into the next segment which is ancient dreamers and visionaries because people have been dreaming for many 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 years so we're going to talk about some stories and myths about dreams sleeps and visions the bible describes a number of dreamers in their dreams the dreams were reported to have come directly from god or from messages of the lord in the form of an angel some dream interpreters were priests while others were people who had psychic and psychological gifts. But they all claimed that they were channeling the word of God. An example is Isaiah and Ezekiel were both famous for their prophetic dreams, while a dream interpreter told Saul that he would become the king of Israel. A famous story many of us heard is Jacob's Ladder, Jacob dreamed that he saw a ladder leading up to heaven with angels walking up and down it. He also dreamed that God told him that a year is but a day. This may be a direct reference to the astrological technique called progressions, which are still used to this day, in which the movement of the planets during the day can be used to show the changes that take place during the course of a year. There's also Joseph of the Old Testament, who had the ability to interpret his own prophetic dreams. There's also St. Francis of Assisi, not quite biblical but certainly Christian, Francis was a soldier who was on his way to fight a battle when a vision turned him back. In the vision, Christ came to him and said, Francis, Francis, go and repair my house, which as you can see is falling into ruins. He interpreted this as the ruined church in which he was praying. So he stole some cloth from his father's store and sold it to pay for the repairs. When the priest refused to receive the ill-gotten gains for the repairs, Francis threw the coins away. He later embraced a life of poverty and found several Franciscan orders whose monk and nun's followed the gentle, original teachings of Christ and turned the back on the power and pomp of the established church had become. Now we're going to talk about some myths and legends. Somnus was the god of sleep in Roman mythology. He was the twin brother of death and the son of night. He lives in a dark cave in the far west where the sun goes down. Somnus is depicted as a sleeping youth holding a poppy stock. Pipe dreams. Common European poppies have been used since ancient times as a cure for sleeplessness, and they have a side effect of inducing pleasant dreams. Opium comes from large poppies and is well known for that smoking a pipe of opium causes fantastic dreams. Hence the saying that wishful thinking that has no chance of coming into being is nothing more than a pipe dream. There's also Hermes and Morpheus. The messenger god Hermes was believed to possess magical powers over sleep and dreams. But Morpheus was considered the god of dreams as he was the son of Hypnos, the god of sleep. Morpheus has the ability to fashion the dreams that came to sleeping people and to enable human forms to appear in their dreams. Odin. According to Norse legend, Odin hung himself up in a tree by his feet for nine days and nights without eating or drinking. And as he slipped into a trance state, he noticed strange shapes forming from the roots of the trees he was hanging from. These shapes became runes, which are both an old form of alphabet and a symbol of divination. There's also the legend of Endymion who is the king of Els, and Selene, the Greek goddess of the moon, who fell in love. In some versions, she bore him 50 children and then put him to sleep so that she could keep him to himself. Others suggest that Endymion chose to stay asleep so he could never grow old. The first dream book was the philosopher Artemidorus, a native of Ephesus who lived in Rome from 138 to 180 AD. He wrote five volumes of books on the subject of dreams. He believed that dreams were given to man to increase knowledge and for his advantage. His works have been translated into English and many of them remain relevant today. There's also the Oracle of Delphi. In ancient Greece, mortal oracles could communicate the word of the gods at the Temple of Apollo at Delphi. The oracles were female virgins whose job was to go into a hallucinant trance by either chewing magic leaves or throwing the leaves onto a fire and breathing in the smoke. While in this dreamy trance, many gave messages that were open to a great deal of interpretation. notre Dame is well known for his collection of prophecies called centuries. He made his prophecies by gazing into a bowl of water and herbs and falling into a deep trance wherein he would have visions. His book is filled with mystical prophetic verses that take a great deal of interpreting, but over the centuries, many believe that Notre-Dame's prophecies have come true including the Great Fire of London and the use of the atomic bomb in World War II. That is crazy. And the very last dreamer, visionary we're going to talk about is Joan of Arc, also known as the Maid of Orleans, who began to hear voices and see visions from the age of 13. She believed that Saint Michael, Catherine of Alexandria, and Saint Margaret were calling her to help Daphne and the King of France Charles. She convinced the king to allow her to lead the French troops to a device victory over the English during the Hundred Years' War. Her determination carried her through some major battles. So those are just some ways that scientists, psychologists, and spiritual people have viewed dreams. But now we're gonna talk about different types of dreams. There are trauma and stress dreams, which cause nightmares and vivid occurring dreams. These dreams often add to the stress the person is suffering and can make the sufferer feel that they can't switch off even when they are asleep. There are also different levels of stress and many different responses to trauma, but PTSD is known to cause most of these dreams. Research carried out by the National Center for PTSD found that up to 96% of sufferers have regular nightmares usually based around a flashback of the original trauma. These nightmares can last for months or even years after the event. There is also lucid dreams. There are two definitions of lucid dreams. The first refers to the times when you know that you're dreaming and what's happening is not real, but it still feels real. The other definition of a lucid dream has to do with being able to choose what to dream about before going to sleep. Some people who have regular lucid dreams are able to exercise some degree of control over their dream as if they were directing it. Experiencing a basic lucid dream where the sleeper is aware that they are dreaming is not uncommon. About 23% of the population experience this, but being able to control and direct a dream is super uncommon. So I thought it was a normal thing to be able to control your dreams. And I remember in like middle school, I was talking to a friend about it and she was like, what? She's like, you know what that's called, right? That's called lucid dreaming. And I was like, what are you talking about? I had no clue what it was. I thought everybody did that because that's all I remember doing was being able to control my dreams ever since I was little. But apparently, it's not a normal thing. The more you know. Some people believe that being able to direct a lucid dream is a skill that can be learned or nurtured. And they suggest keeping a dream diary. Reality testing, wake back to bed, which means like you put an alarm clock and you wake yourself up every four to five hours. Many people believe that being able to experience lucid dreams has benefits to the conscious life, such as decreased anxiety, increased creativity, and improved motor skills. However, there's also dangers of lucid dreaming, such as sleep disruption, especially if you're like waking yourself up every four to five hours. And there's also mental health effects, because sometimes it can cause confusion, delirium, and hallucination. We've already talked about nightmares, but you know some people like to give themselves nightmares, which I don't know why you would want to do that. But in order to give yourself a nightmare in case you were wondering, you could scare yourself before bed, drink alcohol, eat something rich, spicy, or difficult to digest, Add a bit of stress to your life. Take vitamin B6 or sleep on your left side or on your front. Which I do not recommend giving yourself a nightmare. But in case you wanted to know, you can apparently do that. There's also reoccurring dreams, which are extremely common and occur weekly, monthly, or over a period of years. Reoccurring dreams can be about anything. There are certain common themes and researchers have found that the most common types of reoccurring dreams are trying to catch a flight at an airport, sitting for a test or exam at school or college, dreaming about snakes, being chased, falling off a cliff, losing all your teeth, or a car and plane washes. There's also precognitive dreams, which are, what if you dream of something horrible like a car crash and it happens soon afterwards? Or maybe you dream that your distant cousin turns up unannounced at a family dinner and it happens in real life. Precognitive dreams don't have to be so precise, though, You might awaken from a dream with a strange feeling or forbidding or fear or anxiety and then something later in real life happens that gives you the same feeling. Those who are more open to psychic experience are more likely to interpret their dreams as precognitive while those who are not open to such experience are less likely to recall such a dream. And there's actually a famous precognitive dream and it's one that U.S. President Abraham Lincoln in 1865 had. Two weeks before his death, he dreamed that there was a funeral at the White House. When in his dream, he asked who was dead, he was told the president of the United States. Two weeks later, he was assassinated. That blows my mind. That's literally so crazy. Not everyone believes that precognitive dreams are psychic, and they look to other reasons for why such a dream can occur or be interpreted as such. There's three possible reasons that scientists have narrowed down for why we have precognitive dreams. One is a coincidence. Two is selective recall. And three is relating the unrelated. We've already talked about nightmares, but there's also night terrors and sleepwalking. Night terrors are not technically dreams, and a small percentage of young children experience them. It is likely that they are having a nightmare because they will often scream, shout, and cry while asleep. They are also likely to thrash about in extreme panic and jump about, and their eyes will sometimes be open if they are not awake. A night terror episode can last several minutes, and they won't recognize you if you try to comfort them and it might take time for them to calm down. Fortunately, they usually have no matter the night terror the next day. There are no exact causes for why night terrors happen, but it is thought that they can be triggered by exhaustion, fever, certain medications, anxiety, sudden noise, a full bladder or excitement, and you should never try to wake a child up who is having a night terror. Just try to comfort them when they do awake. There's also sleepwalking, which is pretty common, and at least one in five children experience it at least once. I used to sleepwalk all the time, and I literally never remembered half the time I did it. It does not occur during REM stages, so it doesn't take place during the dreaming stage of sleep. Sleepwalking is when someone stands up, walks, or even carries out complex tasks while asleep. In extreme examples, people have been known to leave the house or drive a car while sleepwalking. That's terrifying. I never did that. A sleepwalk? eyes are usually open and often they are capable of communicating but they don't make much sense. A typical episode of sleepwalking lasts about 10 minutes and the sleepwalker you will usually not remember the next morning. Just like with night terrors, you should not try to wake a sleepwalker up. Just make sure they are safe and they are back into bed safely afterward. Exact causes are not known but in addition to the triggers mentioned for night terrors, taking recreational drugs and an excess of alcohol can make an episode occur. And then there's also sleep disorders which some of us have heard about sleep apnea, which is when your breathing stops for 10 seconds or more during sleep, insomnia, which is trouble with falling or staying asleep, narcolepsy, which is suddenly falling asleep at inappropriate times, and sleep paralysis, the feeling of being awake but not being able to move. And before we dive into the meaning of some of the dreams, dreams were used in literature and art for so, so many years. William Shakespeare in Hamlet had said, and I quote, to die, to sleep, sleep perchance to dream ah uh, there's the rub for in the sleep of death what dreams may come one of the first examples that we're gonna talk about of dreams is 1984 george orwell's dystopian novel which i don't want to like give it away in keep people haven't read that book because i don't think i've read that book but there's dreaming involved in that book withering heist by emily bronte also features dreams one of the more common ones that i think most of us might have seen or read is a christmas carol by charles dickens there's also a midsummer's night's dream by william shakespeare Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens, Kubla Khan by Samuel Taylor Coleridge, The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells, Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson, and then in art, like actual art, no, like drawing art, it is said that artists have created images of dreams, fantasies, and nightmares since the Middle Ages. Renaissance artists during the 14th to 16th centuries drew inspiration from ancient Greek and Roman philosophers. In the 17th and 18th centuries, the attention of Enlightenment artists moved to reason and rationality in their impact on dreams. The 19th century, the symbolist and romanticist movement used fantasy and even death to represent dreams, and the surrealist movement of the 20th century broke from the tradition of rationality to produce dream art that went full range to creativity and irrationality. So some artwork that involves dreams is The Vision of Tyndall from 1520 to 1530 by Hermanius Bosch, Sleep in Apollo and the Mooses of Fame from 1549 by Lorenzo Lotto, The Sleep of Reason Produces Monsters, 1799, Francisco de Goya, Nightmare, 1781, Henry Fusilli, The Sleeping Gypsy from 1897 by Henry Rosier, and the longest title ever, Dream Caused by the Flight of a Bee Around a Pomegranate a Second Before Waken, 1944, Salvador Dali. And now we're going to go talk about some meanings of dreams that this book gave us because it went through the whole alphabet, A through Z. We're going to start with the top 10 symbolic dreams. Number one being butterflies. A dream focused on a butterfly is thought to be the most symbolic dream you could have. It suggests that you are about to undergo a spiritual transformation after which nothing will be the same. White butterflies are often thought to indicate that you can communicate to the dead. Number two is death. Dreams about your death are likely to make you uncomfortable and perhaps scared that your demise is being foretold. This is not used in the meaning of such a dream. The dream of your own death is much more likely to indicate that it is time for you to let go of something or someone so that you can move forward spiritually and emotionally. Number three, elephants. Elephants are sacred in Buddhism and said to be the earthly manifestation of Buddha himself. If an elephant features in your dream, it is a sign that you need to spend more time focusing on your spiritual awareness. Maybe through yoga or meditation. Number four, Mother Nature. Nature is consistently communicating with us through a dramatic lightning storm, a wild wind, or even a sunny day. Often we are too busy to stop and listen to the messages Mother Nature conveys to us. When this happens, we may dream about nature in some form, whether it be weather or a walk in the woods or climbing a granite outcrop. It is subconscious messages that we need to take the time to listen to Mother Nature and watch and feel nature as we go about our day. Number five, Deities. Divine figures such as Buddha, Jesus, or Muhammad emerging in your dreams are indications that you are currently undergoing a significant spiritual change. Perhaps you have no spiritual belief originally and are now open to learning and embracing spiritual knowledge. Number six, dolphins and whales. These beautiful creatures may appear in your dreams in both a protective and motivating way. They are letting you know that you should take a risk, go with your gut instinct, or do the thing you have been putting off, all with the assurance that everything will be okay. Number seven, snakes. Snakes are thought to represent rebirth, transformation, and healing. A significant positive change is forecast for you if snakes emerge in your dream. Pregnancy. Pregnancy dreams are often symbolic of a new birth in your life. Not necessarily of a baby, but more likely a new project, enterprise, or relationship. Number nine, flying. If you dream that you are flying above the world like Peter Pan, you are being encouraged to break free from any barriers holding you back. You are being told that you have superpowers if you only trust yourself to succeed. And number ten, Ladders. Ladders are considered ideal items for transcending the ordinary every day to a higher place of consciousness. If you dream of ladders, or sometimes bridges or staircases, you are encouraged to take the step to a spiritual awareness and fulfillment. That's the top 10 symbolic dreams. And then I went through the whole book and I chose an amount. I can't count like that. But I chose an amount to talk about. So the very first thing we're going to talk about is if you dream of babies. Dreaming of babies does not mean that you are pregnant, babies represent innocence, purity, helplessness, and new beginnings. Perhaps there are qualities of your own that you don't usually show the world. Alternatively, a dream about a baby can foretell good luck for you and your family. This is a common dream that many people have from time to time. Clocks. This is an indication of important business that requires attention. It is also a sign that there are important events on the way that you will need to monitor. Which, I need editing Meg to come here. Because I swear, I read something once that when you dream, you cannot dream of time or like clocks. And if you are, that means you're awake and you're not really sleeping. So... Why is there a meaning behind a clock in a dream if we're not supposed to be able to dream about them? So, Eddie makes gonna come here with that fact. So, according to multiple articles on Google, we can dream of clocks, but we can't always read the time because they gave two reasons time doesn't exist in dreams, or because the areas of the brain used to read time is less active when sleeping. Thank you for that. The next dream we're gonna talk about is dreaming of a date. A dream of being on a date represents your need for self-discovery and self-awareness. You are getting to know some hidden aspects of yourself and acknowledging your hidden talents. It may reflect your anxieties about dating or finding acceptance. The dream could also be a rehearsal for an actual date you may be going on, as the dream starts to overcome anxieties you may have. If you dream of a specific date, or a particular month, day, or year, and this represents the passing of time, perhaps a recollection of past events. A dream may also be a reminder of a special event, appointment, or an important date ahead of you in your everyday life. There's also like a lot more meeting on dates. That was just like a few. This one I find interesting because I feel like I do this a lot. But dead people. Dreaming of dead people is not as scary or as harmful as you might think. If the person is recently deceased and a close family member or friend... The dream might be your subconsciousness, helping you to keep them alive and fresh in your mind. The dream may also be allowing you to clear up some unfinished business you had with the deceased, perhaps an unresolved argument. It is not uncommon for someone to dream regularly about a recently deceased person, and the dreams can be used to come to terms with what has happened. The dead may have other functions to play in our dreams. Sometimes they are there to reassure you that you are doing all right, while at other times they might be giving advice and guidance. And then going along with dead people, we're going to talk about death, because why not? Some people dream about the death of someone who is very much still alive in the conscious world. Such a dream can be uncomfortable, especially if the person is someone close to you. It doesn't mean that the person will die in real life, but it might mean that something is missing in your relationship with that person and perhaps something needs to be resolved to save it. It can be frightening to experience your own near-death experiential dreaming. But this is thought to show that you are being given a second chance at something, which of course is not frightening at all. To dream that you actually die can also be framed positively because it can mean that you are on the brink of transformation and that significant change is about to happen, often in a spiritual sense. Which again, editing Meg needs to come in because I swear I read some of the ones that you cannot die in your dream. And that's why people usually wake up at the last second. Or like, I also read... That apparently if you like wake up it's your heart stopping for a second So your body's waking you up to make sure that you're still alive I don't know if any of that's true So editing Meg, you come in please? So apparently we can dream of our own death I don't know why I thought we couldn't And when we jump up like that It is not our heart that stops It's our brain that malfunctions And it is known as a hypnic or melodic jerk And it happens when your brain gets confused Like some nerve sending message gets confused along the way and your brain thinks you're falling so it tenses up to catch itself so you know it's trying its best but you know it just it malfunctioned for a second thank you for that And this next segment i'm sorry if it triggers anybody but i found this so information we're going to talk about covid and dreams because since covid many people have claimed that the virus has affected their dreams and there was even a study done on four thousand sleepers more than half of the participants stated that their sleep patterns have worsened since the pandemic that the number of vivid dreams have increased. Most COVID-related genes were about anxiety or worrying about catching the virus and the dangers of people not social distancing or wearing a mask. Another survey was done and reported that 26% increase in people saying that they had nightmares since the outbreak started. Some of the dreams people have been having are so vivid or disturbing that thousands of people are logging their nightmares on the internet. And there's a real website. If you go to www. I dream of covid.com you can read about people's dreams. I didn't do it because I was kind of scared but it's there which is crazy. The next one we're going to interpret the meaning of is falling. Dreams about falling from a great height are widespread. While some dreams interpreters might dramatize things by claiming that if you hit the ground in your dreams you will die in real life the reality is that dream of falling is much more likely to indicate that you were worried about something. Perhaps you were concerned about failing at something in your work life or your love life or it can mean that you need to rethink something this is another dream that i commonly dream about and i hate it for the burning passion but to dream about your current job is an indication that you have a lot going on at the moment at work perhaps you're in the middle of a difficult project or you're working to tight deadlines if your dream is about looking for a new job it does likely mean that you are dissatisfied with some aspect of your current life and looking for more excitement Losing a job in your dream is pointing to the insecurity that you might be feeling about your current job. Dreams about running late for something is an extremely common dream and it can have several different interpretations. It can mean, for example, that you're currently struggling to live up to the expectations of people or of yourself. It can also mean that you're worried about missing out on something or even worry about getting older. It can also be some kind of wake-up call and some sort of pull-yourself-together-before-it's-too-late warning. The last one we're going to talk about is teeth. Dreaming about losing all your teeth is another very common theme, and this has multiple potential meanings. It might mean that you're afraid of losing your attractiveness or that you're worried about your appearance. On a deeper level, having a dream where you lose all your teeth may reveal a concern about your communication skills, or there may have been a recent incident where you spoke out and said something you shouldn't have. And the very last thing we're going to talk about is food in dreams and medication in dreams. So starting with food in dreams, many people say that after eating certain foods, Or after having a certain drink, they experience nightmares and cheese seems to be the main culprit. Now, is this true or is this an urban myth? The British Cheese Board, yes, it's a real thing apparently, was so interested in this that they did a research. And what they learned is that if you eat cheddar, you dream of fame. If you eat Lancashire, you dream of work. If you eat Red Leicester, I don't know any of these cheese's. You dream about childhood. If you eat Cheshire cheese, you have no dreams. And if you eat Shilton, you have bizarre dreams. There's also stories. About caffeine and coffee, melatonin and bananas, spices and curry and hot sauces, and sugar and carbonated drinks, cookies and ice cream, which are all said to cause vivid dreams, nightmares, and disturbed sleep. And it all has to do with the nutrients that come from these foods. It is said that eating peanut butter and jelly, almonds, kiwi, turkey, or drinking chamomile tea are good for giving you a stress-free night of deep and comforting sleep. And the very last thing we're going to talk about with dreams, and this is a long podcast, I am so sorry for all that, is... Medication and dreams. Medications that influence the neurotransmitter in our brains, such as antidepressants and blood pressure medicines, can cause disturbing dreams and nightmares for some. And here's just some examples. Antidepressants are known to have side effects of inducing vivid and disturbing dreams, particularly Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, and Bilizodin. Blood pressure medications are said to cause nightmares and vivid dreams. I'm not pronouncing these are big scientific words, but they're types of beta blockers from which this is a common side effect. Antihistamines, over-the-counter anti tablets, are regularly blamed for causing bad dreams, such as Benadryl, Zyrtec, Claritin, Allegra, and I can't pronounce the last one. Steroids can affect brain chemistry, mood, and quality of sleep, causing vivid and disturbing dreams. Medication for Parkinson's disease have been reported to cause confusion, insomnia, hallucinations, and vivid dreams, often of a sexual nature. Statins, cholesterol low in statins, can cause dreams and disturb sleep in some patients. And medications for Alzheimer's are known to cause nightmares if taken at night, which, little disclaimer, this is not but they, they put their own disclaimer. I should just read their disclaimer. Note that medications have many beneficial qualities for those who need them. Some are life-saving. That they can cause disturbed sleep, bad dreams, or nightmares should not be the reason to stop taking them. And it also doesn't happen to everybody. But this was so interesting to me and this book went into so much detail, like way, way more than I went into. I just didn't want to talk for too long, which I already did kind of talk for too long. So I'm sorry about that. But what are your opinions on dreams? Do you like looking them up there's been so many times where i'll have a dream at night and i will go and i will look it up the next day and be like what did that mean i don't understand are there dreams that you have that reoccur all the time what are your opinions on dreams do you think they have meaning do you not think them have meaning i think they have meaning to be honest i'm kind of going with the psychologist on this one so the next time you have a dream just know we have multiple of them there's different forms of them and they may or may not have a meaning to them thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of hey guys it's meg and thank you for tuning into all of season four. Hey guys, it's Meg. I can't believe we just finished. This is our last episode. I will be taking another month break. I do this after every season. And I know I feel bad, but like, I need like a break from podcasting so I can prep for the next season and come up with more topics. So if you have topics that you want me to talk about, totally DM me, tweet me if you want to reach me. You know what I mean? Because I am down to talk about anything and everything. Thank you so much for listening to this season. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I will see you guys back January 2nd, 2023. Wow, that seems like it's so far away. But January 2nd, season five of Hey Guys is Meg. We'll be back. And hopefully we will have some cool topics. I'll see you all on the flip side. Peace out, Girl Scouts. <laughs>